this one messes up, I'll just shout from the rooftop. But we've been talking about an altar and we've been talking about an ego. And, and when we say altar, we're talking about the altar that you actually lay things down on and sacrifice things. And we've been talking about our egos. Now, how many of you have an ego? Raise your hand. There we go. All right, turn me down a little bit. You know we're going to have sound problems. So how many of you have an ego? Let me see that again one more time. All right, for the person next to you that didn't raise their hand, go ahead and say, well, you lied in church. <laughs> but the, the first week we talked about our ego or our struggling with inadequacies. And, and the second week we talked about uh, being in control. And I shared some of my testimony and how uh, for most of my life I've been a control freak and I still tend to want to be in control. Right? How many of you feel me on that one? How many of you like to be in control? Amen. Feels good, doesn't it? Nobody can do it how you do it, right? Wrong. That was proven to me. But this morning, we're going to talk about offenses, and we're going to talk about your right to be offended. How many of you have been offended before? Raise your hand. Good. I hope I offend you this morning. It's working already. That's what I'm talking about. Well, for many years, I've, I've, I've easily been offended. I remember one example, just kind of blatant or, or really really in front of me, is, is there was this one time Cheryl and I were driving to, from Franklin to Fenton, and we were in a Ford Escort, you know, which doesn't have much power from the get-go, and then I was 270 pounds, so it really didn't have any power. And so we were on our way, and I was kind of in a hurry and flustered and kind of just stirred up. You know how us men do when we try to travel, right? Don't leave me hanging. And so... Uh, we're going down I, I uh, not I, but we're going down Highway 90, and, and this guy cuts out in front of us. And, man, I lost it. And good thing Cheryl was driving. And I, I, I wasn't quite back with Christ right yet, and I had a few adjectives for him. And I said, catch him, catch him. And she, she got up on us. I said, pull over, pull over, I'm tear you up. I mean, I'm serious. That's what I did. And I even put my hand out the window and told him hi in a special way. Okay, I was mad, red in the face. I was offended because he pulled out in front of us. And then we passed him up and he had little kids in the car. And I felt about that big. But I was easily offended. It didn't take much to offend me. I was a bouncer in a bar for a couple of years. And, and I, I threw people out for throwing beer bottles on the floor. Just, just, easy, just things, simple things offended me. If I didn't get the praise I wanted, I got offended. If people didn't tell me hi, I got offended. Anybody like that? If, if people didn't put me out or kind of just put me on a pedestal and say, hey, this is Jamie and he did this great thing, I would get offended. And that's how I, I, I've been most of my life. And here recently, I've, I've learned to overcome my offenses quickly. Are you with me? You know, there was a lady in our church back in the early days who, who helped start the church. And she was kind of a key person. And, and I remember Pastor Josh and him created a video and just kind of celebrating our being here for a couple of years. And she wasn't in the video. She got offended and left the church. Because she wasn't in the video. We get offended over some silly things, don't we? 
Come on. If somebody tells your sister that her cake is good and your cake, they didn't tell you anything, you get offended. Right? Uh-oh, I told you. I'm strike a nerve this morning. Somebody brags on your buddy about how good of a fisherman he is and they don't say anything about you. You get offended, don't you? I get offended every time I go fishing with my brother-in-law. Which, by the way, this is all of Cheryl's family right here. I just want to acknowledge them real quick. We've got Tyler and Sarah. And, huh? I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I meant to say that, and I, I, I was thinking too. Cheryl and I have our family here this morning because they, they have adopted me, okay? They, they took the challenge of feeding me, and that's been a heavy task. So I, I'm not going to name you all, but you can meet them after work, I mean, after church. But this is, this is my brother-in-law, okay? And God gave me a big brother-in-law because I needed one. Okay, and he, he's a great fisherman. He's a funny guy. He has always he's always got people laughing. And every time I get around him, I want to make people laugh like Brandon does. Right. So I'm constantly trying to throw in my little joke. Right. Give my little shot. And nobody laughs. <laughs> y'all laughing now because y'all know y'all don't laugh. <laughs> After we leave, I can just hear y'all saying, I wish he would just learn not to try to make jokes. But I can go fishing with my brother-in-law, and he can throw a line and catch a fish. I can throw the same line in the same spot and not catch a fish. And I get offended at the fish. That's why I don't go fishing no more, brother-in-law. I'm sorry. I just can't take it. Proverbs 19.11 says that a man's wisdom gives him patience. Isn't that good? A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Wow. It's to your glory to overlook an offense. In other words, it looks good on you when you don't get offended. Isn't that good? When somebody doesn't say anything about your cake, it's okay. When they don't laugh at your joke, it's okay. Around my house, we, we tell the kids when they get offended, we tell them to build a bridge. Build a bridge and just get over it. I'm sure that's not good. Psychiatrists would tell me not to say that, but, you know, it doesn't matter. They're going to have to get over it sooner or later. But if you choose not to get offended from the get-go, then you don't have to get over anything. In our church, we talk about when people get offended, they build fences. It's a good way to remember that. When you get offended, you put up a fence, a wall. Some of you are good masons. You put up good, solid brick walls that take a long time to knock them down. And some of you put up these little cheap bamboo fences that the wind can blow them over. And you get over your fences pretty easily. So my wife and I, a lot of times when we, when we have heavy discussions, we may get offended. And she'll look at me. She'll go, you just put a fence up. No, I didn't. You know how you are when you get offended. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You just got offended. No, I didn't. I'm not offended. Yes, you are. Time or two, we threaten to knock each other's fence down. Right? Do you know getting over your offense is actually a form of forgiveness? It's when somebody says something or doesn't say something or doesn't do something or does something to you and you choose not to be offended, you're, in other words, saying to them already, I've forgiven you. 
Listen, I've been a hard man my whole life. I come from a hard family. My family in Franklin, if they ever get to church over here, they won't tell you how they might hit you. They're rough, rough people. That's why God gave me this family, full of grace. So coming up, especially when I got around Pastor Bubba, he had to deal with me about anger issues in my mouth. I used to cut people all the time with my words. People had to constantly walk in forgiveness around me. Anybody else like that? Romans 13.3 says, For by the grace God has given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Stop. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Say sober. In accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. In other words, don't think too high of yourself. You need to think of yourself with a sober judgment. Now that word sober sticks out to me because I've been drunk a time or two in my life. And I can honestly tell you when I get drunk, I get proud. I haven't met many humble, drunk people. Right? I mean, the more I drink, the better I look. Right? The, the more I drink, the smarter I get. That's why you call it Budweiser. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that in church, but that's all right. Some of you might have just got offended by that. That's good. We're working through that today. You're going to have to forgive me. But the Bible says to take a sober, a humble opinion of yourself. Don't let your ego get out of control. Don't let your ego determine your life. Don't let your ego drive your emotions and your actions. Don't think too highly of yourself. Now, the opposite is true is don't think too lowly of yourself. You see, some of us, we don't think high of ourselves. We think so low that we end up in this condemnation and we can't get out of it, right? We think, well, I'm the, I'm the barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in Delcom. God never do anything good to me. I'm not talking about that. The Bible says to take a sober evaluation of yourself, an honest evaluation of yourself, with the faith that God has given you. Amen? Don't be offended. Get over it quick. It's a sign to say to somebody, I've forgiven you. Right? Let it go. Don't stay there and mope about it or complain about it. You know how we, how we get when we get offended, right? We throw an offended party. And we invite all of our other offended people to come over. And what do we do? We talk about other people to make ourselves feel better, don't we? Come on, I'm just being honest this morning. We throw an offended party. We call up somebody else who's offended and we start to complain and murmur and gripe. And we stay in this pit of offense. And the whole time our fence gets higher and higher and higher. And it gets stronger and stronger. How many of you it takes, you don't have to raise your hand for this, but how many of you it takes a long time to get over an offense? Good offenses are hard to knock down. You know, as a pastor, I'm constantly dealing with people that are offended. In marriage, offended with their kids, 
offended in other relationships. No way they're offended with me. Right? So let me give you three points to overcome your offense and to help prevent yourself from being offended again. Number one is I'll give others the benefit of the doubt. I'll give others the benefit of the doubt. Just maybe they're having a bad day. Just maybe they don't realize what they say. You see, that's how people had to walk around me for years was because I, I feel like sooner or later they just got the revelation that Jamie don't realize what he's saying and how he's saying it. Because, you see, I can say one thing. I can say one thing to you and have this face that I can't see because I make mean-looking faces. I can look at my kids and they know it's business time. But I've got a strong appearance, and so I look at you and I say something, and you might get offended when Cheryl could say the exact same thing like this, and you not get offended. Right? Maybe you just need to give somebody like me the benefit of the doubt. That he really does love me, he just makes bad faces. Right? Because as a strong man, it's hard for me to sugarcoat anything. It's hard for me to tat-tat people. And we all like to be tat-tat, don't we? We want somebody just to whisper to us, hey, you really need to quit doing that. And Netta's like famous for that. I mean, she, she was in education for years. I had to tell her one day to change her voicemail because you couldn't hear it. Hey, this is for Netta. Would you leave me a message? And her and I like all in water. I'm like the thunder of God. She's like the loving arm of God. And it's just, you know, I make these, she's like. <laughs> People like me need a chance. Amen? Maybe you need to give me the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I don't realize I'm saying it like I'm saying it. Maybe somebody just lost someone. Maybe somebody's on the brink of divorce. Maybe somebody just found out they're getting, they, they've got cancer or they're, they're having to go run tests to see if they have cancer. Maybe somebody's just a little stressed out because they might be losing their job or their finances are tight. You see, if we walk around and we let just any little person offend us, then we live a life of offense. We become a professional fence maker. Put up the fence, take down the fence. Put up the fence, take down the fence. Put up the fence, take down the fence. Ephesians 4.2 says to always be humble and gentle. That's a verse for me. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Jesus knew we would get offended. God knew we would get offended. He said you need to make an allowance. In other words, you need to go ahead and set it in your mind that somebody's going to offend me. You follow what I'm saying? You're kind of putting it in the account. You're saying here it is. I know that today somebody's going to try to offend me, so I'm going to go ahead and make an allowance for it. Right? It may be Monday, and you just need to go to work knowing that your boss is going to be a little grouchy. Or maybe you're the boss and you're a little grouchy. You need to make an allowance. You need to make some space for other people's faults. Because I'm not sure of this, but I'm pretty sure that there's not a perfect person in here, right? I guarantee you before the day's over with, I'm going to offend somebody. And it probably won't just be one. 
right? The best person around me is my wife. She knows how to take me and not take me. But even when you don't know people, you need to make allowances for them. Right? Make allowances. Be humble. Be gentle. You need to remember this statement. Hurt people hurt people. In other words, it takes a hurt person to hurt another person. People that are offended tend to offend. Right? You know that's how you are when you're offended, right? You want to what? You want to get them back. You forget all about the verse that says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And you say, vengeance is mine, says Jamie. You've heard that same thing? But we want to offend people. We want to hurt people, right? I'm offended. Give me my space. When I get offended, I just want to be left alone. Because I know I can do some serious collateral damage. So hurt people, hurt people. Number two, the second way to overcome offenses or to put up a, a barrier is I will not label other people. Isn't it funny how when you get offended by somebody, you automatically put a label on them? It's almost like a tag that says, hey, here comes Mr. Offender, the super offender. And when you see them, you automatically put guards and barriers and you kind of start ducking and diving and getting around those people. Hey, it's good to see you. But we label people, right? Here comes the liar. Here comes the dope head. Come on. Here comes the alcoholic. Here comes Mr. Angry Pants. Right? We put labels on people. Aren't you glad God doesn't put a label on us? My label would be from my head to my toe. It would be like a body wrap with full of just names. Thank God that when he saved me, he erased the label. Because I was dope head. I was angry. I was drunk. I was so on and so on. Thank God that he dropped the label and erased it. Amen? So we got to learn that when people offend us, when we come back to them, you, just, you can't say, oh, here comes Mr. Offender. I can't, I can't do this because they're going to offend me again. Or, Right? Because we've been forgiven. Luke 6.36 says to be merciful just as the Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Wow, it's one thing to go and get on your knees before God and say, Lord, please forgive me for being an idiot, Lord. I'm sorry. He says, well, hold up, you hadn't forgiven the last person that made you mad. Actually, the word says you need to get up in that moment and you need to go find that person and you need to settle that offense and then you can come back and ask for forgiveness. The Bible's very clear when it says, when, when dealing with offenses and dealing with people that have hurt you. He says, don't let the sun go down. Listen to me, all you married folk. You ain't going to sleep good until you settle the argument. Nobody sleeps good on the edge of the bed. The best sleep is in the middle of the bed. Amen? 
holding each other. I hate sleeping on the edge of the bed. And you know how it is. Fights always start at 10 o'clock, and they don't end till 12. Right? Because by the time 12 comes around, you go, I got to get this over with so I can get some sleep because I got to go to work tomorrow. I spend most of our arguments on the floor in the living room saying, Lord, you need to straighten her out. And that's how I start them. She's offended me, Lord. You need to straighten her out. It's not my fault this time. <laughs> and about 30 minutes later, I'm tiptoeing to the bedroom. Hey, baby. <laughs> you awake? Of course she's awake. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're sorry for what? You know that's right. I got that one right. <laughs> Normally she corrects me when I snick a face and say something like, I don't say it like that. No, which part? Yeah. Which part are you sorry for? I mean, one time I tried to go sleep on the sofa. That ain't for me. I'm like, we'll be mad and sleep together. God didn't make me for a sofa. But I will not label other people. I can remember being a kid, and uh, my label was mama's boy. I was raised by my mom and my grandmother, and I was, actually, you might not believe this, but I was real skinny at one time. It's true. I can bring pictures one day. Football did this to me, and Bluebell. And I was real skinny, and I was mama's boy, okay? That's what everybody called me, mama's boy. And I had, like, five uncles that were ruthless and toothless, and all my cousins were ruthless and toothless. And my mama brought me to church. I was at church three times on Sunday. I didn't get to go watch the movies they got to watch. She protected me. And so I got the brunt end of that, and I got constantly called mama's boy. And I can remember one time specifically we were working for my uncles, and we were supposed to be cleaning the tracks on this dump truck. And I got this one cousin. He's got the best tool, and he's the laziest bum of them all. He's standing there with the best tool and won't let nobody have it. Which makes me mad. I mean, give me that tool. I snatched the tool out of his hand, and I went to work with him and said, you a mama's boy. And I turned around, I punched him. Boom! And I dropped him. He needed it, though. <laughs> He'll tell you today he needed it. But I didn't like the label of mama's boy, right? Don't call me mama's boy, even today. I'm going to tell you right now, it's on. I'm joking. But we put labels on people. God doesn't label us. Amen. Number three, I will forgive as I've been forgiven. Isn't that good? I will forgive at just as I have been forgiven. You know that when you gave your life to Jesus and you confessed your sins to him and you laid down your life before him, you said, Lord, I trust you with my life. Please forgive me my sins. He goes, he wipes the slate clean. It's like dust on a chalkboard. You can't put the words back on the board. It's, and it's gone. Kind of like Duck Dynasty. He's gone. <laughs> See, I'm trying to be funny, but I got some other people that laugh at me. But he wipes the slate clean, and it's like dust in the air, never to be remembered again. Because, you see, we're bad about bringing up old offenses, aren't we? 
You see, we got this saying around our church that we say, only the devil will remind you of your past, right? So anytime me and Cheryl get into a serious discussion, and one of us brings up something from the past, the other one usually responds with this. Well, only the devil reminds you of your past, so I guess you're acting like the devil. Don't we say that? Yeah. I'm trying to be accurate today. I don't want to have that talk after church. <laughs> Good thing is we came in two separate trucks. But he wipes the slate clean, and he says he takes it off of us, never to remember it again. And he's forgiven us. You ever try to repent for something that happened in the past? And it was after you didn't feel nothing, you didn't even sense that God was there, right? Because God's going, what are you talking about? Huh? I don't know what you're talking about. Lord, you know the time I did this 10 years ago. What? He wipes it clean. It's gone. The slate's clean. Never to be remembered again. And that's what he says we're to do with other people. It's easy to admit. No, it's not. Because we're hurt. And we want to hurt back, don't we? We want to bring up the past. We want to use every weapon we can scrounge up. Why? Because our ego is telling us we got to win. Right? Our ego is telling us we're right and they're wrong. That's why every time I go to pray when me and Cheryl get in a fight, I always say, God, straighten her out. And I'm always the one getting straightened. Because my ego tells me I'm right every time and I'm not. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults. Look at your neighbor and say, you got faults. You can go ahead and say, you do too. I'm going to try to make some allowances. Might have to do a daily allowance, not a weekly allowance for your faults till we can get them narrowed down some because you got a bunch of them. And forgive anyone who offends you. So you need to make room for other people's faults and you need to let go of what they've done. You need to learn to forgive them when they offend you. Right? Go ahead and be, prepare yourself. Somebody's going to offend you. Somebody's going to make you mad. Somebody's not going to tell you your hair looks good today. Build a bridge. Get over it. I hate to see people that get stuck in offenses because it's like getting your truck stuck in the mud. There's nothing that makes me more mad than getting stuck in the mud. Right, men? It's embarrassing. <laughs> it is. It's embarrassing if you really think about it to stay offended at something silly. <laughs> they borrowed my shoes and didn't bring them back. I offended a guy one time. He borrowed my pressure washer and didn't bring it back. No, I didn't let him borrow nothing else. I'm not stupid. Matthew 6, 14 says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whew. 
You can't hold on to your offense and go ask God to forgive you. Are you seeing this? You can't be offended and get down before the Father on your knees and say, Lord, please forgive me, because he's saying, no, get up and go take care of your offense. And grow up. And stop being so easily offended. You see, I believe it's a sign of spiritual maturity when somebody can come up to you and bump you and you not get offended. I love people that I can go and share the truth with very directly and they can take it and not be offended by it. Right? I corrected somebody one time. They tried to correct me for how I corrected them. And I was like, that's not even the rules. That's not in the rule book. You can't correct my correction. You ever had that? Talk about make you mad. Well, you said it with that face. Don't look at my face. Listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. But I love being around people who don't get offended because I'm just a natural offender. You put me in a crowded room, I'm going to bump somebody. Some of you are just like me, right? Then some of you are like the people in the crowd, and somebody bumps you and goes, eh, eh. Come on, that's how we act, don't we? You might be grown, but you're still acting like a kid. He touched me. You ever had any kids when they're tired? He lifted me wrong. What's crazy is when you see adults doing that. I remember one time I was a bouncer in the bar and we had this, we were in Lake Charles and this, this new rave thing came through. It was when ecstasy hit Lake Charles and all these drugs hit and everything changed. The music changed and they had these mosh pits and you know what a mosh pit is? All you ex-heathens. A mosh pit is, is where you get a bunch of people and they just kind of bounce and jump and bang on each other and all this, and it's rough. And so we gotta we gotta bounce this thing. We gotta guard it. We gotta protect it and secure it. And they had this one guy. He would go get in the pit, but he didn't want nobody to hit him. They would hit him and he would swing at them. And I'm going, I'm like what? So I go over and I grab him. Hey, bro, if you don't want to get bumped. Don't get in the pit. All right. Sure enough, he goes back in the pit. <laughs> After the third time, I wanted to hit him myself. <laughs> but some of us, we don't like to be offended. And some of us, we don't like to make allowances for other people's faults, do we? There's a reason the Bible says as an iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. You know that verse isn't just for believers. That verse is also for non-believers. You know that the people that are in your life that offend you the most were probably handpicked and placed there by God. You might not want to admit it, but it's the truth. Because iron sharpens iron. It didn't say one sharp blade sharpens another sharp blade. Right? Too sharp, you can't sharpen a knife off of another sharp knife, can you? 
you got to put it against something a little bit rougher, don't you? Something that doesn't match up, something that's not the same. You know, in marriage, a lot of times the reason God made our, our wife different than us is because he wanted to use her roughness to knock off your roughness. You see, if you begin to see the people in your life that are constantly offend you as something other than a person that's there to offend you, if you actually start seeing them as a tool that God uses in your life, then it changes your perspective on that person. I had a hard time with this. I, I went into business with a guy, and me and him are like oil and water. We constantly rub each other wrong. I'm 100 miles an hour. He's one. He's calculated and precise on what he does. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> what you mean you got to think about it? Let's go. And at first I had a hard time, but then I realized that God did something in me through him. In other words, it was God's kind way of saying, Jamie, you need to have a little bit more Denny in your life. You need to be a little less this and a little more think about it because if you know me that's true right but God uses that person in my life and if I change my thinking and I learn how to forgive and I start seeing people in my life as instruments that God wants to use life gets better amen Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So just as you've been forgiven, you need to pass on that forgiveness. Some of us need to learn how to get over offenses quicker. I'll end with this story about my grandmother. She's not here. She's actually with Jesus. Grandma was one of the sweetest ladies I knew, but she was also one of the hardest ladies I knew. She raised 10 kids by herself at the age of 40-something. My grandfather passed away. She had six rough, rambunctious boys and four girls. And she raised them all in one trailer house. She was a special woman. I remember one minute Grandma would be sitting on the swing singing a hymn, and the next minute she'd be cussing. She'd laugh if she knew I said that. One minute she sings a hymn, the next minute she's whipping my behind for something I did wrong. But that was my grandmother. But there was something about Bertha that I want you to see today. Grandma, when she got mad at you, she didn't scream and holler. She, she didn't have an outward kind of anger. She had more of an inward anger. So when grandma, you knew grandma was mad at you when she came in the house and she looked at you and she went. Right? And then she starts slamming the dishes. And the cabinets get closed a little bit harder. The fridge goes closed a little harder. She don't tell you hi. Nothing. Just looks at you. Just cold-hearted look. And you could bank on it. It would be a week to two weeks before grandma got over her fence. So you had to tippy-toe around the house. Right? Till grandma got over her fence. And it's sad to say, but it usually took a big event for grandma to get over her fence. 
somebody die, somebody get sick, somebody go to the hospital, somebody get in a wreck. There had to be something that came in and broke her offense towards you so that you could go back to normal where she would talk to you. And I was pretty good at this, okay? I would tiptoe till I saw an opportunity, then I would jump right back in. Hey, come on. But she was slow to get over her offenses. As grandma got older, it got harder. I want you to hear me. It got harder to not be offended the older she got. There's a principle in that. If you learn today how to get over offenses or how to not even be offended from the get-go, then you can master it and walk the rest of your life not really being offended. Or you can choose to not deal with your offense and let it get worse and worse. Right? Because I know people who who spent their life with a lot of unforgiveness in their heart. And can I tell you, you can look at the countenance of that person and you can see some type of cancer in their face. I know somebody that got offended for years at somebody else and their hair went completely gray. Now, and I know that happens in the process of time, but it shouldn't have happened that quick. He looked older. He looked worn out. Are you hearing me? Can't carry this stuff. We're all tempted to start the fence when somebody bumps us, right? Want to lay the first couple bricks. But if you'll choose to just let it go, let it roll off, you can overcome that. Amen? So what are the, let me go over the three principles real quick just to remind you, and then we'll, we'll go into our baptism. Number one is I will give others the benefit of the doubt. Number two, I will not label other people. And number three, I will forgive as I have been forgiven. Can we do that? I say, can we do that? Can we try that? Can we go and, and, and put some effort into it? Can we pray for that in us? Can you stand up with me this morning?